before I was diagnosed with this acoustic neuroma, I would get massive dizzy vertigo. And I'd often be on the horse. And the first time it really happened, this horse would stop and face the wall no matter what we were doing. And I remember the first time she did this, I didn't understand why she was doing it. And then it would hit. She knew before I did when these things were coming on. Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley in the northwest of Brisbane. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Turrbal country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and pay my respects to their ancestors, past and present. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. This week's show is brought to you by Equitana Australia. Equitana is happening from the 15th to the 18th of November this year in Melbourne. Chris Burton is undoubtedly one of the country's best riders and athletes of modern times, representing Australia at the 2010 and 2014 World Equestrian Games, the London 2012 Olympic Games and the Rio 2016 Olympic Games, where he won a bronze medal with the team on his striking young horse, Santano II. Chris is doing a masterclass at Equitana and hopes he can make the sessions focused on training the light aids and building harmony between horse and rider. This is a ticketed event. To get your tickets to this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, go to equitana.com.au. I really hope to see you there. Make sure if you see me, you come and say hi. In this episode, I speak with Tanya Bevilacqua from Mindfully Mounted and Fit. I found this talk fascinating. Tanya uses the Alexander technique, which I have heard about before but never took the time to really understand. It fits completely with the values that I love to promote on this podcast. It works to find the root cause of the problem and then gives the body an opportunity to do things differently. It requires empathy and sensitivity. It is gentle and profound. Tanya found this technique for herself after her own serious health issues that affected her balance. She now teaches it to humans and horses, giving them balance and a deeper connection with their horse. This work is a collaboration between horse and rider, where the horse can tell you where you need to adjust your body to give them better movement. I know, right? Fascinating. Here is Tanya. Tanya, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Can we start with you telling me a bit about what it is that you do? Oh, I do a number of things here. I work with I work with horses and people. I, um, I consider myself a horse trainer and, and, and coach. Um, but my focus really becomes more the idea of how to take this beyond say riding or training a horse or even working with the animals on the ground. I focus on the, the language between the rider and the horse. Um, if they're not riding the language between the human and the horse and, and how we affect each other throughout the entire time we're together. So that involves if uh, it's riding, looking at the, the rider's mindset, the rider's emotions, 
the rider's body, what they're doing with their body, because the horses influence, and I should say the horses mirror us actually. Um, they, they take on all the elements of, you know, what we're doing that day. What we do with our mechanics, our body mechanics is so very important, whether we're on the ground with them or whether we're in the saddle with them. Our mindset is so very important, how we approach anything that comes up with them. Um, that is, tends to be a huge, huge element along with the biomechanics. So I work with people on discovering what it is they're doing, not doing, the good and the bad. And there's also an element when working with horses, and I particularly seem to be getting horses that are, I guess for lack of a better word, therapy horses, but the horses that I particularly am working with at the moment, don't, they're not considered therapy horses, they're considered more team building um, animals mm. for team building exercises, working with these animals that have to take on a lot, um, whether they're being ridden or not, they take on a lot of emotional and physical elements from the clients. And sometimes that doesn't get shaken off. So my job, particularly at this one facility, is to just work with them on their own outside of doing their work. Um, when they come to me, they're not, they're not allowed to do their work. They're allowed to, I'm kind of like their personal trainer. <laughs> um, Fantastic. Yeah, it's like going to a gym. It's, it's their session. It's their time. It's, it's time to work on them. But... Um, you know, we're looking at a lot of body issues, misalignments, um, crookedness, soreness, um, you know, something that you'd go to a chiropractor for. And I do support chiropractic work. And so, and they do get that as well. But then afterwards, what do I do? So that's where I um, have been applying the Alexander technique into a lot of this work, whether it's with the humans or the animals. So the animals get this work as well. And, um, it's, it's very interesting. I don't know too many people that apply the Alexander technique to just the animals. It's usually just something we use for people. Mm. So that's kind of where my work is kind of morphing into. I do take on humans for this work and, and just for, you know, just plain old Alexander technique work. But I do apply it to equestrians and, and to the animals just themselves too. And it, it seems to be working. Wow, it sounds like you have an incredibly comprehensive toolkit with you. So I'd like to explore how it is that that came about. Sure. Did you grow up with horses? Have they always been a part of your life? I, you know, I started riding around the age of nine and that's, I usually tell people that's, that's my starting point. But my, my mother <laughs> very recently twice has reminded me that that, was not the case you know parents and particularly mothers they remember us before we remember ourselves and um mm. you know she she corrected me and said no 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 she goes i think your first word was horse and she goes as soon as you could hold something in your hand any type of riding utensil she goes all you drew was horses <laughs> wow so she, she goes, you just were always fascinated. And she goes, you would just look at them and go, oh, oh, you know, get all excited. Um, she, first time you saw anything resembling a horse, it was a zebra at the zoo. And she goes, you just, just couldn't contain yourself in the stroller. So I, um, 
I do remember drawing a lot of horses. They're very rudimentary. They're not anything that would be hanging anywhere, but um, they, I did draw a lot. Occasional cat and dog, but um, yeah, so I, there's just always been this innate attraction, affinity, I don't know what word you want to use towards them. I, they've just, they've just always been there. There was a point where they weren't there for a little bit and I was a miserable person and I came back and, and discovered that about in the mid nineties. And that's really when, um, things changed. But yeah, I had a, I, I started at age nine and, um, learned the basics from there. I, um, I was telling folks, I was one of the people that spent a year on the lunch line, dear lady here in this small town that I grew up in, but she knew better. She put me on the lunch line for a year and I didn't come off that round out of that round pen until I could satisfy her that without stirrups and reins, I had a seat. Um, you don't see that much anymore, at least in this country. I'm not sure about anywhere else, but in the U.S., you don't often see that type of training anymore. So I was blessed to have had that. Yeah, that's really blessed. That's Yeah, that's amazing. I've just picked up a riding instructor across the road and I'm a bit the same. I've been on the lunch line for eight weeks and I said, I'm in absolutely no hurry. I know that I, I know the kind of rider I want to be and I'm not ready to pick up the reins until I can be that without all, all of the bits and pieces. It's such a wonderful skill to have. It, well, it is, and it's it's also important to continue to do even throughout your riding. So once you think you've established it, you know, a year later, get back on the lunch line and see what uh, has maybe cropped up that isn't good and um, and fix it. It's just it's a great way to learn how to ride. So I'm very blessed to have mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in, in Pennsylvania where it's hilly and and woods, and so she and let me just kind of bang around the woods and have fun. Um, my first horse was about the age of 13. I got a used-up Arab, <laughs> purebred Arab, and did that circuit for a while. I got him back into shape and, and ended up in a few years being very successful with him in the, uh, the Arab circuit in the eastern um, the regional area of New York, Pennsylvania, that area, and um, worked with the gentleman that from Ireland and, and rode with him for a very, very, very long time. So that was also very good background for what came next, which was venting in the mid '90s. So I had um, nice solid seat and solid jumping at this point. Um, you know, life takes its turn, went off to college for a little bit, tried that. And that's the, the time where I did not have horses for the longest time. And, um, yeah, I mean, I did what I had to do there. But, yeah, I was miserable because they weren't there. And, uh, yeah, mid-90s, started eventing and got into that. And that's where the real education began, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. How far did you go with your eventing? Well, you know, not too far because um, life took its twist. I wanted to go all the way up to the top, <laughs> but um, of course, yeah, of course. But you know, life and the horses that came into my life kind of kept knocking me in different, a different direction. I don't know if I should say different directions, make it plural, but um, 
yeah, there was always something that kept popping up and knocking me out of that direction. Um, and I guess we can get to that later because that's what kind of brings me to where I am now, things that have popped into the life. But um, so I went I trained to prelim, U.S. prelim, and but um, competed up to training only. Um, but I had some great learning. My first was with a woman that was pony club. She taught me everything about the sport and all the ways of taking care of the animals beyond and that. And she was very conscious and mindful person. Um, but, at, at, and then I gathered a couple horses here and there. She, she had a lot of thoroughbreds off the track. So I get to ride those and work with them. And that's really kind of become the basis of a lot of the work that I do. I'm, I'm so grateful I had them um, because those thoroughbreds off the track are a different breed of horse to ride. Um, yeah, they, they really are. You have to be, your mindset really does have to change. In what way? I had to learn to explain everything to them. Um, because they demand it. They, mm -hmm. they, they really do not know a lot. It, it, it's, a lot of it is because they, and we all know this, they, they really don't do much, but get born and, hang out and then are asked to run. They're, they're not exposed to a lot of things. Literally, you know, the first one I had that I got off the track, he didn't know what a leaf was. He, he, he didn't know what a puddle on the ground was. He, first time he saw his shadow. You know, one day I had to work him at night. His shadow <laughs> threw him over the edge. Um, Wow. You know, it's just those little things that we take for granted that they don't, they notice it and you better be ready to react to it and explain it to them and have the patience to do it um, and be okay with doing that and not get upset with the fact. I think that's where a lot of people um, don't know to, to have to explain that to them. Um, literally, here's an apple, here's a carrot, you can eat it, look, smell it, here, touch this leaf, look at this branch hanging over the driveway, it's okay, you can touch it, it's not going to hurt you. All these little things seem to need to be explained to many of them. Some of them know, but there's a large element out there of those animals that um, would rather react than then, then work with you until you start doing that. And that's where a lot of this, where my life has taken me is, is being able to explain all these things to these animals step-by-step step. And, and, and then having to do that, explain that then to the human. So my, my life has kind of become the, um, I'm kind of the in-between. <laughs> I, I speak for the, the horses, for people that, just don't think to go to the point where they need to explain things. But I kind of insist with my clients that they take time to understand what's going through the horse's head um, and be patient with that aspect. You know, my son, I do have a son and my son at one point was brilliant when he was small. He would, I would say something, I'd use a word and he just, he wouldn't, do what I asked him to do because of the word. And he'd just look at me and he'd go, mom, you know, I'm only four. 
Love <laughs> it. I've heard that word before, or I've, I've never seen this done before, or I don't know what we're doing. You need to tell me I'm only four. You know, I've never seen this. <laughs> and wow. Exactly what the, the horses, I, I, first time he did that, I went, oh, that's what they're saying. You know, mm. I'm, I've never done this before, you know. Um, help me understand. That's all they're asking is, help me understand this. I don't get it. Yeah, and it's so easy to to think that they've got it all together because of the level that they've been at with their racing. And they're big and they're, they look so intelligent and they just don't know because how do you know if you don't know? How do you know if you don't know? Yeah. And I mean, and it's not just the, the, the thoroughbreds. I mean, it literally is every horse out there that has not had anything explained to them. Yeah. I did an interview earlier today with somebody who rehomes and retrains standard breads. So the trotters and it's exactly the same thing. She said, you have to take so much time um, explaining things to them because they just don't know. They just don't know. Yeah. They just, they don't know. And it's, it's not their fault. It's not anything it, it, in, to me, I find humor in it. I have to have a sense of humor about it and go, Oh, not a problem. Let's stop and let's figure this little piece out. And as soon as you do that, then creates the, the bond and the trust. And, and it really is that it, to me, it's so simple. Um, but, you know, humans often don't want to take that time. Um, we don't yeah. want to take that time even with our own species. Um, you know, thank God my child was smart enough to go, uh, <laughs> you need to explain this to me. I, I, I literally was just born and I don't get it. I don't, I was not exposed to this. So a lot, I, I just love it when this work between the human and the horse also can create better connections amongst ourselves. So, um, yeah, anything that slows us down and makes us break things down, it's got to be good for us. Well, exactly. And that's, that's where, um, this, the Alexander technique and understanding your biomechanics comes into place too. Um, you know, this work is so great because it can affect you outside of the barn, outside of the saddle. Um, I just think we yeah, need a little bit more of the slowing down in our lives to, con to connect with the animals and to connect with ourselves. So what happened to take you away from eventing? A couple of things. I had, I, this, I had a horse that just wouldn't, just didn't like it. He became, he became actually a fox hunter. He, he did not like the sport of eventing. He was, he was, no matter how much I explained to him, the elements of the sport, he was very scared of, um, the ring, very scared of unnatural jumping elements. So stadium jumping was insane to him. Um, so I finally sent him off. He, he got sold as a fox hunter and, and, um, it was great. He rode one of the top hunts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He came, he loved his job. And then I purchased a horse who I have now, she's kind of the foundation for my work. And um, she gave me a run for my money in the very beginning to the point where I almost, I almost sent her back until I realized that the person I would send her back to had just left for the Southern part of the States and I couldn't get to her because I didn't know where she was. <laughs> it was that bad. 
Yeah. <laughs> nice try, though. Nice try. And it was so interesting. I, I actually, it was 9 o'clock at night. She had thrown me, reared, and took off around the, the barn, and, and I had just had it. I was done. And I literally went to my truck, started to hook up the trailer. <laughs> it was a warm January 4th. We had no snow. And I went, that's it. I'm taking you back. I don't care what time I get there. I'm just dropping you off. I was that done with this horse. And um, that's when I realized I went, oh, no, the person is down south. I can't do this. So I marched back in the barn. She's standing in the cross ties. And I said, you have 30 days. <laughs> not realizing that it was a lot of this was me and this was where the turning point in my journey became a lot of what was happening was yes me I thought I knew how to ride up to that point I mean I, I knew I wasn't great but I really thought that I was correct in what I was doing um, but this mayor was having none of it at all and this was prior to me understanding the mechanics of what I was doing and how I was doing it. Um, but I looked at her and I said, you have 30 days or, and we're done. Nice. And she literally had I, it, it, a tear just rolled down her eyes. And I went, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing with this? And, God, it went past 30 days, but shortly thereafter, I almost gave up again. I almost, it was more the summertime, I think. I'm trying to remember. And, and this is where I know you just had an interview with Kim Walness, but this is where she came into my life. Um, I had moved this mare because part of it was her, where she was being kept and how she was being taken care of. And, but we still were having just issues that were just intense. and. I was about to just give up on writing altogether, period, done. Get rid of her yes. and, just, and just finish. I'm done. I can't do this. I just can't do this is what I kept saying. Till a friend of mine said, mm, I'm running a clinic with this woman named Kim. You really should look her up. And I went, well, she's my last hope, literally, because I'm, I am a week away from quitting. I'm done. And... That's when everything changed. I met her, poor Kim. I was the, the last rider at the end of an eight-hour day. <laughs> and, and in comes this fire-breathing dragon of a horse, as she called it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where my life with Kim and, and everything pretty much changed from there. And I've actually morphed off of what she's taught me. And, and she she really took me down the path of truly explaining things, truly understanding what it was that I was not doing with my body to communicate with this horse and how much she demanded it of me. Um, and I spent eight years with Kim, eight, nine years still. I got even more because her and I are still very good friends. She's my mentor, second mother to me. Um, yeah, God, it, it just went off from there. I rode with her for eight, nine years straight, pretty much faithfully almost every month. I brought her in once or twice a month to where I was in central Pennsylvania. And, you know, life life changed from there and this horse changed from there. And off we went and, God, we just journeyed all over the place. This mare and I really put in some good competition and some good learning. But where she really... Um, Kim and this horse really came into play was when I had, I had injured myself. I had a knee injury and tore an ACL and this mare helped me come back 
along with physical therapy, but she was very gentle and, and kind with me. Um, but our lives changed and our relationship really, really changed to the point where now we're such partners. She's my sister, even though she's a horse. <laughs> she's my sister. She's my friend. She's my partner. And she's my partner in this work that I do. Because she, now, she, now she teaches. So now I, I've learned from her how to explain things, how to, um, gosh, just be a better person and a better advocate for horses. Um, and to really fight for them and, and fight for that voice that doesn't get expressed. Um, but at one point in my riding, what took me away too from it a long time, this is really what changed my life too. Um, and Kim was there for it as well as when I was diagnosed with an acoustic neuroma in my head. Yeah, those are, I don't know if anybody, I'll explain what they are for people to understand, but it's a tumor that grows on your vestibular system in one of your ears. Uh, so the vestibular system is that whole setup of your inner ear and the cochlear areas, you know, little curly part that's in your ear, all these nerves and things that are in there. And it's part of what keeps your balance, obviously. Your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, your eyes, your suboccipitals, but uh, really do the work. But the vestibular system is, is that level, that built-in level in our head. I call it the carpenter's level in our head that keeps us balanced. So with these acoustic neuromas, it affects people, obviously, with that as well as depending on where they grow and what they touch, you know, eventually if they get too big, they can, they can take you down, they can kill you. And my, mine was pushing on my brain stem and it was making my face numb and my tongue numb. It was starting to shut me down. My blood pressure was going all over the place. So I chose to have that surgically removed and, um, and had that done. But yeah, my balance was very off. I had to relearn how to walk without falling over. Um, and but the surgery was successful. The surgery was successful. There's a piece that's in there, just because it it just couldn't it would it would affect my facial nerve. Um, I did have to deal with some facial paralysis for a year, um, but thankfully that's pretty much been resolved for the most part. But this is what took me down a different path. Um, this is what's kind of taken me away from. Um, I, I can't remember if I've competed after that, actually. I think I did a little bit, but my life changed, obviously, because of the, the with the knee and this fitness for riders became huge for me as well. So that's an element of my work. I really insist that people, um, become as fit as they can because you're riding a thousand pound animal. Um, you, you think you're fit because you ride, you're not, <laughs> you, you really need to be as fit or fitter than the animal. So that became, yeah. So I was going to say, we expect them to be fit. So yeah. So that's only also, fair really, isn't it? It really, and that's, again, that's part of this idea of creating this relationship with your animal. Um, you better out, better be out there hitting the hills too. <laughs> you better be yeah. running up those hills and doing some things and really strengthening your, your back and your core and your legs. Um, because what a difference it makes. I'm telling it really makes a huge difference, but relearning how to stand on my two feet really became obviously really important because I went, gosh, darn it. I'm getting back on that saddle again. And, um, but I'm going to do it. 
I, I had to be, I was forced to be very, very conscious about every aspect of my body at that point, because the slightest little misalignment would throw me off balance. Um, and I do want to add this, God bless this horse who became again, my partner before I was diagnosed with this acoustic neuroma, I would get massive dizzy vertigo. I had dizziness and vertigo at the same time. It was quite interesting. And I'd often be on the horse and the first time it really happened, this horse would stop and face the wall no matter what we were doing. And I remember the first time she did this, I didn't understand why she was doing it. And, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? We have to keep, we're trotting. You know, why, why would you just stop immediately and face the wall? I don't understand. And then it would hit. She knew. When wow. So she knew before you did. She knew before I did when these things were coming on. And she obviously was smart enough to go, I'm not going to move and let me rode it out. I, you know, I sat there and grabbed the saddle and go black and have a good ride there with this dizzy spell. It would pass pretty quick. And then, then she'd lick and chew and go, all right, we're done and turn away from the wall and continue where we left off. So, um, what an extraordinary horse. She's, she's just, she's come a long way herself. Um, because we've just agreed to just explain everything to each other and work together. Um, and what's so interesting about being so conscious about the details of riding, um, while in the beginning it can be very tedious and, and this, the Alexander technique and um, the idea behind it sometimes in the beginning for people is very daunting and tiresome because there's so many details sometimes to look at. But once you get past that and enjoy the details and become friends with them, the connection with yourself is amazing. But what it does between you and an animal, it, it starts a conversation, a literal, a literal conversation about how you're getting through your, your day and how you're living at the present moment, literally. How are you moving your feet? How are you moving your back right now? Um, the horses, I tell you, they start thinking about it and they start to make us aware of what we're doing too. They'll also check with us and go, Hey, what are you doing with that shoulder? It's affecting me this way. Um, and I say this because I can, it, it's like, you can hear it sometimes. Um, I know it sounds kind of weird and foofy, but, um, oftentimes with some horses, especially mine, who now has been on this journey for 10 years with me now. She will oftentimes, when I'm riding or with her, go, what are you doing? <laughs> check, <laughs> check yourself, and then I can function a little bit better myself. Thank you. You know, we're constantly saying thank you to each other and, and expressing our gratitude for taking that moment to kind of check in and fix something. So, um, yeah, she's, she's become an amazing, amazing partner in this work because she, now she understands it and she likes it and she doesn't hurt. She's 19 years old and she's still a little aches and pains, but you know, her joints are great. Knock on wood. She's not been injected. She, I, I haven't had to put a lot of medical effort into her joints um, because I've just been so conscious about the biomechanics. So it's a testament to this work. I think um, 
that she she didn't become one of those statistical horses that's beat up. But at the same time, she's helping me and um, with these horses that did get a little beat up and are a little stuck and um, relieving their 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 pain and finding some ease in their body. So, um, and, and that's what the Alexander technique is. It's, it's creating that conscious effort to discover habits, thoughts, and perceptions that we have in our body. So you can do that with a human, but you can also do that with a horse. The horse can become very conscious about how it is that they are carrying themselves and, and, and how they take a first step and, and how they start a circle and, you know, all those little things that have come into their play. They have habits too, good and bad. So. How did Alexander Technique come into your world? Yeah, good question. I kind of diverted off here. So I, after surgery, I went to physical therapy and had that, and they put me through the paces to get my balance back. And it's, it's very interesting to understand. So the brain can heal and the brain can rewire itself literally, uh, which is a very amazing to feel and understand. Mm. So anybody that's had any type of brain injury, there's, if you keep moving and, and really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, challenge yourself challenge the fact that maybe you're off balance the more you challenge yourself the more balance you get it's very kind of interesting because the brain can reset itself but physical therapy only took me so far i was still having issues with my balance i have also had the pleasure of and this is part of my toolbox that you mentioned earlier i've worked with a woman in southern pennsylvania she's a world-renowned holistic vet. Her name is Judith Shoemaker to throw a name out there. Mm -hmm. she, I have been with her at this point, maybe 18 years um, after my surgery. And every year I, I took my horses down there at least once a year to be adjusted and worked on with her. Every year she said to me, you have to study the Alexander technique. So 18 years <laughs> of hearing <laughs> When are you going to do this? Have you looked into it? Are you done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Judith. Okay. I, whatever. Um, it would make you a better rider. Okay. You know, I, every year, every year, year. Finally, I went, okay, I've, this therapy has only taken me so far. Maybe I should look into this thing called the Alexander Technique. So I did. And within two sessions, I was completely blown away. My mind was just alone and I went oh so I had been with Kim for all these years and studying so much of the biomechanics and I just needed I wanted more I knew there was more behind it and that's where the Alexander technique came in it filled in literally all the tiny little details that I was so interested in understanding I'm very analytical and I need to understand I'm very much like the horses and that I need to understand every little sinking step <laughs> that is in any yeah. process. I, 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 it's, I just, I can't get away from it. So if any little element, no matter how big or small it is, is missing from my understanding of a process, I, I don't understand the process, but this work filled in all those missing links. And it's what, um, 
it's got me on the path that I am now. It's been what, four, four years later, something like that. Um, I loved it so much. I enrolled in a school in Philadelphia and I almost done getting completely certified in this work. But in the meantime, I'm still applying it to what I teach and what I do with, um, the horses. I put my hands on the horses. It's very hands-on work. Um, but it has changed my life um, even more so. So there's so many people in my life that have kind of that have changed my life and have taken me down this path. Um, this this work is just um, it, it's just hitting home with me. It really it, it gives me all the details I need to help explain to people what's going on with their body, mm. his body, and help them re- be conscious about it. And what hole did it fill? So you had an awareness because you understood biomechanics. So you understood how humans moved as well as horses. How did the Alexander technique then come in and fill in a gap for you? What did it give you? Um, yeah, this is such a hard question for me sometimes to answer. It It's interesting. It took the work a lot deeper. Um, we're trained as practitioners for this work to really get in almost to the soul of the person or the, in my case, I'll say the animal to really feel the, the thoughts of that being that is in between your hands, um, really feeling the habit of what created the habit of movement, um, you know, I, I can feel where parts of the body are holding, but it's, it's deep. It's, it's actually getting to that core place in your body that is holding one back. Um, because it, it because it sets off a chain reaction then does. into different physical it responses. Does. Yeah. And, and it creates a situation where I've had to really, listen more and deeper um because oftentimes as instructors we'll say well you know you're stiff in your elbows and you know your legs aren't where they need to be but that's not the source of the issue this work will will say to me as a practitioner that for example yes a rider's legs can't come underneath them so it's not about forcing that leg back it actually is in my experience at this point, usually something that's going on in um, the pelvic area and back. Mm -hmm. Um, But too many riding instructors just take the leg and say, you just have to keep just, and they'll force it back or they'll do something without addressing the core issue of where, why that leg can't do what it needs to do or um, why an elbow can't do something, or why their ribs can't do something. It's, it's not usually that area. It's usually something else. Um, so it's about discovering the core of what um, unease or holding is coming from. Um, so, yeah, this work, we, we are trained to really to really listen and feel that and create a situation in our own bodies where we can pass on to the, the being in between our hands um, an idea of what it's like to not 
be holding in a particular spot or in their body. Um, and to help that individual be very conscious about it. And that's, that's the difference between, um, say, Alexander Technique and Reiki or our energy work, which I'm, I'm a Reiki practitioner too, and I'm not knocking it. But it's that conscious Alexander Technique brings into um, our lives the, the conscious effort of discovering what our habits and thoughts and perceptions are that are creating that situation in our body. Um, and even oftentimes it's something as simple as not understanding your own anatomy. <laughs> um, yeah. So anatomy comes into this a lot, really understanding the parts, what they look like, where they are actually located and what their function is. Um, many humans have different thoughts as to where body parts are and what it looks like, and it's not correct. So that affects how you, how you function. Um, of course it would have to, wouldn't it? And you, because the, the teaching of anatomy is so swift and at school it's kind of over and done and, and you move on after 10 weeks that, it, of course, we'd all have to have different concepts and different ideas of it because it's just not something we've ever had to really go deep in and study. Yeah, and and what this stuff does, you know, what how it affects your body is amazing. Um, you know, it's one thing Judith taught me is, you know, we're going for posture that's correct and, and if it's not, you, you're going to hurt and you're going to break down elements of your body. Uh, that's why, you know, horses are going to hurt because their posture is off. Why is their posture off and why are they breaking down? It's well because the posture is off because the feet are wrong, the teeth are wrong. Um, get those elements cleaned up and you've got a whole different body. So it's the same thing with humans. If you're riding or on your own feet or horses, the same thing. If you can get that tension out of their body and help them understand that this is how you're holding yourself and this is a different way of doing it, getting yourself out of that tension, you become healthier. One, your brain, your nervous system, because now your body is functioning a little bit better the way it's supposed to be, the, the way it's designed to be, um, it, it resets the nervous system. So, you know, riders become less tense, people become less tense, Horses don't spook as much. <laughs> it's one cool thing that I've noticed with this work is as soon as you can reset that nervous system in the body, the spooking tends to lessen, if not disappear, because they're in balance and the systems, all the systems are working the way they're designed to work, not against the design. Um, uh, you know, otherwise, we're just trying to keep ourselves upright. The body is just working to keep itself upright. Um, if you can have that whole body functioning the way it's designed, not against it, life changes. Um, and I know a lot with humans that so many people don't have an awareness of their body. Oh, yeah. And so we're kind of walking around in our heads so much that we're not really in our bodies. Do you find that with horses as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and that's part of, um, that's another misconception that I think people have is that because they're an animal, because they're a horse, they're, they automatically know how to move. They automatically know how to stay upright and in balance. And they're just, they're in one with nature. That is only the case with anybody, whether it's an animal or person, in my opinion. Again, when it's aligned 
and working the way it was designed. If that's not happening, you've got a nervous system that's not working properly. And you've got bones and body parts that are working against each other because, you know, the horse has one foot longer than the other. It's throwing off its body. Um, if they hurt, if they're hurting, same thing with a person. If you're in pain, you, you, you're really not in your body the right way. So a horse is, they can go around the same way, just not being conscious about what they're doing. They're just trying to stay upright, <clears throat> excuse me, and not hurt. And you see yeah. the older horses too, especially horses that have really been through a lot. I would look at them and say, no, they're not really with themselves right now. They are, they're hurting and they're somewhere else. <laughs> um, yeah. And you compensate when you're in pain as well. Yes, you do. My kids get injured. And I'm like, the most important thing you can do now is walk normally. Yes. Just keep walking normally. Keep telling your body it's going to be okay and let it repair itself. Once you start limping or, or compensating in some way, everything seems to just go pear-shaped. Oh, and, and things come in that you're not even aware of. And if it continues, it becomes a part of your life. And next thing you know, yeah, I mean, other body parts are falling apart. So it's true with all species. And wow. yeah, so the point is to really not get there. But if you get there, there's someone such as, um, you know, myself with training that, it, that really looks at, my brain is now constantly, constantly thinking about the details. Um, when I put my hands on a horse or when I'm sitting on a horse, I'm constantly trying to feel what's happening. Where is the balance at this point? How can I adjust it to get to where it should be? How do I guide this body, whether it's with the saddle or on the ground, to come out of those compensating areas or bad habits, whatever you want to look at it as, guide them out of that and find um, just a better way of moving. And do you do that? By guiding through your own body and your own movement, do yep. you do it by a physical adjustment? How is it that you guide? Sometimes it's pretty easy to just connect with the body, and, and it depends on the body. It depends on the individual. Um, some animals and people are very sensitive, and you know you can connect to them really, really quickly. And just by putting it into my body, I it, it can go through to the other the other body and, and likewise mm -hmm. back and forth and we can feed off of each other. Some, some individuals, individuals and animals, yes, are less, um, less aware of themselves and it takes a little bit longer. Um, or sometimes there's issues. You know, I've, I had a client for the longest time who had a, a, a brain fistula and what turned out to be a stroke on that when they were, operating on her for that on both sides of her brainstem. So she kind of, in essence, had a stroke on each side of her body. So there's a physical issue there with her nervous system and her body became completely twisted. Um, I'm not sure how, but um, so she, she literally physically could not feel a lot of things. Um, the connection was that bad. It took about a year of intense work until she could finally start feeling some of this work because her body just wasn't allowing it. Um, 
So it just, it depends on the, on the individual, it depends on the being. So yes, sometimes it's, sometimes I actually do have to say, look, I am literally going to, I'm going to move your arm, you know, but the Alexander technique oftentimes isn't about um, physically moving and adjusting anything. I don't make any adjustments. I don't, I'm not a chiropractor. Um, No Alexander technique adjusts, the practitioner adjusts anything. Um, But we can somehow, it's very interesting, sometimes get in there and um, I know I've had people put their hands on me and things just release. (laughs) <laughs> because they've been able to, it's in their body that way. They've connected to that part of my body that is intention. And next thing I know, we have the right words are said and, and the, the hands come on and, ah, oh, there's that lengthening or there's that release that is needed because they're, they're that in tune with bodies and can feel it and know how to understand what is causing the tension. Again, it's about finding that core place that is holding one back. Mm, it's almost like using your own body to calibrate another. That's it, fascinating. It, it, it really is, you know, and as Judith would say to me, the, 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 um, the vet in, in um, southern Pennsylvania, she said, look, I cannot do my work unless I have it in my body. So she's adjusting horses, and, you know, if a horse's hip is out for some reason, she's now going to put her consciousness very much into her own hip making sure that she's not bracing anywhere there while she goes to adjust that hip. That's kind of the concept. So it's, again, we mirror each other. We do. And the horses mirror us. So yes. So that's part of this as well is, is helping people understand. And I'll tell you what, my mare, she has the same issues that I do in my body. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and it, I talk to any of these horse owners to go, God, my neck is always hurting and my shoulders are tight. And I go, mm-hmm. so does your horse. Same thing. The neck and the shoulders is, is their issue. Um, so how do you fix that? Well, we adjust your, sh- we look at your shoulders. We look at what's, I don't want to use the word adjust because again, it's not, I'm not adjusting anything. Uh, probably the better word is address. Let's address how you're holding your shoulders. Let's address your attitude about where your head is sitting on your body. And as soon as that comes into play, the horses start to come out of that aspect that's holding them back too, um, because their owners are taking that into account. Um, So yeah, I mean, if if it is not in your body, if your anatomy understanding is incorrect, it will show in your body and it will show in your horse's body as well too. So the idea is to understand some, you know, more correct way of carrying oneself and and the anatomy. Mm. Where does the Alexander technique come from? Oh goodness. The Alexander technique was started by an Australian (laughs) name. How did I not know that? (laughs) If you've done your homework. Um, Frederick Matthias Alexander, FM Alexander, otherwise known as FM, um, grew up in Australia. He did grow up on a horse farm. Apparently. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that element. He grew up, he was homeschooled, my understanding. He rode, he was a rider. Uh, I think the number was 40 horses his family had. So he grew up and he watched them. He then... Um, 
decided to become an actor and became an orator and ended up in England. And his, pro I mean, the guy was, <laughs> I'll probably be shot for saying this, but the guy was very narcissistic. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of those brilliant ones are though when you when they're seriously changing like creating something to bring into the world a lot of times they are i've seen a lot oh i mean i i this he nailed this i i gotta tell you he but he, the issue he kept having so he tried to create a career for himself as an orator um he kept losing his voice and but badly so you know his career was depending on this he has to stand in front of people and do these speeches and talk and act and kept losing his voice he kept doing everything doctors told him to do and it it either didn't work or it temporarily worked until years and years and years of this until at one point he said to his doctor he said the doctor goes, there's nothing wrong with you. I don't understand why this is happening. And then FM had the idea. He, apparently, he said to his doctor, well, maybe it's something I'm doing. And the doctor goes, probably. I, you know, I, that wasn't his exact words, but yeah. <laughs> At this point, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what he did was, the, the story is, he took, got three long mirrors and arranged them as we often see in dressing rooms so you can see your, your angles. And where we're not sure is how many years it took him to do this. There is no record. Some say a year, year and a half. Um, more recently, there seems to be some evidence that says, no, this probably took him about 10 years to do. Um, wow. But what he did, apparently, is watched himself. He took the time and stood every day and watched what he did to himself and he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. He couldn't see it for the longest time until one day, and this is where it all started. He went to speak and he saw that he pulled, I think it said that he pulled his head back and he was pinching on, he saw how he was pinching off his throat and he went, Oh, <laughs> and from there it exploded from there. He just, he did a, a a, a gigantic study on himself. He observed himself. And that's why a lot of this work is looking with your eyes and seeing and finding that, that again, that core critical place that is causing the issue. Um, and it's so in the detail, isn't it? So in the detail. And so he progressed from there. I mean, he, he, he used his body as the beginning of all this work and he he started by using his voice and and, and he, he he cured himself okay so it became he became a little famous for the fact that he fixed himself and then people started coming to him to try and understand well what did you do because i have similar issues or here's my issue and he began helping them and then he eventually started started to put his hands on them and just and it just morphed from there because of all the work he had done on himself the hands naturally kind of came into play and he discovered that he could um influence these bodies very it's a very gentle way of, of helping people um and it just morphed off from there it, really that's kind of the short story of it
Um, he did take on students. He taught people how to do this, and it's just gone from there. What an extraordinary human, but yes, I see why you th- say that he you, you believe he's a bit of a narcissist. That's a long time to be yeah. staring at oneself. Yeah. And then to end up not being an orator after all anyway, taking a completely different turn. I love it when life does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you read his writing, it's it's very interesting to read his his writing. Um, he 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 very much understood that he was on to something brilliant, um, and he got he got chastised a lot for it. Though the medical community really um, went after him, um, but he, I imagine they would. Yes, it really did. But he he really defended himself to no end. And now there there is some science behind it. I know there's a couple. Um, there's a neurologist and a um, couple guys that are really studying this stuff and really putting the science behind it. And there, there is there. It's legit. <laughs> it's becoming very legit. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot more of it coming through. And with this, I love a good story. Can you give me a story of somebody, a horse or a person or both beforehand and then after using the Alexander technique, what kind of things have you been able to change for people and horses? Yeah, I talk about my mare, which it's, that's been very, very gradual. Um, we've really gotten into the details, but I can say first horse that's popping up into my head is one that I've just worked with very recently. Um, when I first met him a year ago, he was considered at this, um, this equine coaching place as being very goofy. Um, you know, this is what he falls into your space. He just comes into your space. He's, he, he's just kind of goofy and runs into you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was true. He was, he was kind of to watch him walk. It was a, like a floppy walk. Um, the, the, his his front legs would they they hit the ground a certain way and his the way he moved was kind of I mean it essentially was on his forehand but he he would he just he would run into you and just butt you with his head and, and he did a lot of spinning so you know my experience is going I didn't take it as such I looked at it and I went wow he's really He's really off in his head. He, this horse really does need a chiropractic adjustment. His pole's not right. He, he's off balance. And this isn't, at, and they would kind of giggle and laugh at this horse. You know, he, he, that's just the way he is. And I went, well, this really isn't funny. <laughs> this is, um, yeah, it looks kind of goofy, but to someone that knows better, he's, he's actually, it's like his head's not screwed on right. Mm, it's uh, almost like disassociating, isn't it, from your body? Well, he had no choice. Yeah, he's got no awareness, yeah. Where he was a little dizzy. Um and I don't know how to explain this, but there there was a um a point where I was able to connect that head through his spine to the rest of his body. Um and a lot of this work, I gotta say, is done by instinct. Mm-hmm. Um and it because of, through your your own personal experience. So yes, I've had a lot of time um, with many chiropractors, um, working with Kim, working with so many vets um, that this 
a lot of my instinct kind of kicked in as to how to maybe address this with this animal. So it really was this idea of um, helping this horse get literally out of his, his head and discover the rest of his body. And something did click one day where I think there was a connection that went through in the head to the back end of the body. And from that day forward, he stopped slamming into people. Um, he actually could carry his head a little bit differently his, on his body, his neck uh, posture changed a little bit. Um, and I did do some work with him on the ground and in, in addressing the idea of coming more into his top line and into his back a little bit more. I'm actually now riding him. Um, he's spinning less and he actually now comes into sessions. The, the owner said to me, she's like, wow, you should see this horse. He, when he's working, he, she goes, he's matured beyond all belief. Yes. And she goes, he walks in now to be set. Cause before he'd walk in stumbling and tripping and falling and, and literally with, I think he saw um, a human body as a place to go to, to maybe find balance. So he'd ram into it <laughs> and hold his head there and kind of, I, I think he saw a body as a way of holding himself up a little bit better, but the way he did it was to kind of slam into you and kind of stay there. And, and it, so the, the interpretation was always pushing you around when this horse really wasn't, I think he was searching for a place of stability. <laughs> yeah. If the body then great. He was going for it. Um, now he's able to hold himself up a little bit more and I've done some riding with him. It's a little tricky still. Um, but he's learning to get, yeah, get out of his head, get out of his neck, find his body. And he walks into these sessions, she said, with such um, presence. He now holds his head up and marches right in and can stand and not go tripping and falling and, 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 you know, stumbling all the place and ramming into people. He actually is very much now aware of the room that he's in and can look over everybody and say, all right, now, now I can work. What are we doing? What do you need me to do? So, um, it's, that's amazing. Yeah. It must be such a relief for him. It's, I, I hope so. He's come a long way. He really, really has. Um, so. And how about you? How have you, how are you now? How much has, learning the Alexander technique changed you. Are you back to normal as far as your balance and everything goes? Yeah. Those of us that have gone through this say we have a new normal. Uh, I, I think I came out of it pretty well uh, just because I, I really challenge my balance a lot. I keep, as soon as I don't, uh, winter's tough because we tend to lay around a lot because it snows a lot here and we don't get out. So I really have to be aware that I'm constantly moving. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've come through this, you know, pretty well and thank God it's, I think a lot of it was because of the horses. Again, I'll give my horse so much credit for this. She, she was the one that I got back on and she's the one that's kind of helped me find myself as well. She's again, she's been on this journey with me and um, she keeps me moving and, and, and balance. Um, so I've come through this pretty well, but where, the Alexander technique has really changed me. Has been more the has been more in the mindset area. Really, yes, I've discovered so much about 
an understanding about my anatomy. Um, my body is in such a better place at this point. It's given me the tools to, if I do have a um, something come up in my body, to be able to help myself get out of whatever issue has come up. And I love being able to do that. Um, I think everybody should do it. We, you know, anybody that has a body really needs to understand this work um, and really needs to have this. But you know, that's, that's a whole other story, but, um, to, you have to be so incredibly present to do this work effectively. Uh, it's not about going somewhere deep in your body and feeling certain things. No, in order for this work to, to occur and think of how it started, FM Alexander sat and Dared at every little detail of what he was doing. He was so very conscious to find his bad habits that were hurting him. So this work requires one to be so very present. And, um, and very conscious about every little element of what it is that you're doing. It creates a situation. I, I'm a whole different person than what I was four years ago because of the mentality of this work of being okay with understanding that, um, that instinct is a huge part of this, that, that you can react or take action towards any situation in, um, in a different manner. Do you, because how our emotions come into this work affects our body. So um, this work has addressed the emotional side of myself and I've become um, less, I should say, intense. Um, I, I think I was a person before this who um, got, had let my ego get a little bit too much in a, a part of my life. Um, so I learned how to redirect that. Um, I was definitely more of an angrier person and there's kind of no place for that in my life really anymore. Do I get angry? Yeah, but it's not the intensity of what I had before. Um, I've learned to just Take a, take a situation and look at it a little bit differently with a lot of love and compassion and empathy towards myself and towards the person or the animal that I'm working with and not taking anything personal. Um, it, it's just put me in a different place mentally. Yeah, there's so many great things there, aren't they? It, it, I can see why you think everyone needs to do it it brings you into the present moment and makes you more compassionate how could that not be just all around great for every human and horse what a wonderful thing i mean compassion compassion is so much into this work it um that's that's really the core element of the emotional side of this is having so much compassion for what you're feeling in between your hands and loving mm. i mean there's no matter what you're feeling no matter what's in front of you, uh, no matter what the situation to still have compassion and, and love towards that being that is in front of you. 
and it's empathy as well. You have to go in and 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 go to that root cause and find it and show a different way. It's it's yeah, it's beautiful. It really is. It it does touch on some things. You know, you know, oftentimes you put your hands on someone and and there's a release and they don't even know where it came from, but the tears start flowing or you know, sometimes people get angry or um, because you've released something that needed to be released. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get sometimes when you put your hands on someone, but to just hold that space, hold that room for them, hold that entire space that they're in and still maintain that compassion for no matter where they are. Um, that that's what makes this stuff work. Really. I can, I've mm-hmm. talked and talked and talked about the details, but really that's where it starts of having to see that person as just this lovely being that's someone's child. There were everybody, every creature and every person was someone's child at some point. And to look at them as that um, with such empathy and compassion, that's what makes this work work. (laughs) Yeah. And a quick question about horse riding in itself, that action of riding a horse, how much does that affect our body and nervous system? How much, I know that we've talked a lot in this podcast and other podcasts about how much we affect the horse and that they are their mirrors. Does it work in reverse as well? I've watched riding for the disabled and people with compromised nervous systems, the rocking motion um, can change them and have a healing effect. And for, again, I, I don't, my compensation, I know can't, it's not like theirs um, at all. I know. So, so my, I guess my answer is going to be kind of, I don't know what an individual like that is going through completely. Um, Mm. But I can say my own thoughts on it would be that um, it still goes back to this idea of um, listening with ourselves um and, and this is where i know my my riding has gone to where it's not just about me up there directing the animal and telling it what to do it's also about me taking suggestions from that animal so it's constantly and again i think this is where um, I'm a little bit different in my teaching and in, in how I work with horses and that I'm also asking oftentimes for input from the animal. So I, yes, you know, we're trained to, you're up there, you're the leader and you, you're supposed to tell this horse what to do and how to go. And, but at the same time, we also have to take some suggestion from the animal. We have to listen to what they're, thinking and doing and what they may also suggest back to us because it's a two-way conversation and that's Mm, it's a collaboration yeah thank you that's the better word I, I think that's the piece that is often not taught that it is a two-way conversation, a collaboration between two beings, whether you're sitting on their back or you're on the ground. So I really implore people to really listen to what might come back to you 
either through the reins or a long line or a lunge line or the saddle or the seat, um, really feel what they might be sending up to us. I think there's a quote by Sally Swift. She talks about there's a, there's, um, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but I think she said it brilliantly by saying, look, you're, you're, it's a constant send and give and receive, give and receive. Um, and that's what the Alexander technique is too. It teaches us to not only go, I feel this, but what is that body that we're touching also sending back to us? What messages are coming back to us? Suggestions of um, how we can better address ourselves. And you, if you listen, you'll, you'll get it because the horses are so quiet. Usually they're not very loud and bold like we are, although there's, there are some that will go, Hey, (laughs) and and be pretty insistent that you listen and you listen to this particular thing that they're trying to share. Um, But oftentimes it's very just suggestive, like slightly suggestive. And if you listen, you can catch it. So I think that's what's, um, From my experience, that's what it's been, where if I am truly present and truly asking for that collaborative two-way street conversation, you can get that from the horse, and they can help us as well, Um, especially if they know. If they know, look, you're kind of hanging on, I can't do this because you're doing something up there. Could you kind of get up off of whatever body part is hindering them? If you, sometimes they'll, they'll just do something and, and you go, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's me, isn't it? How about if I did that? Thank you. Good. And if you can communicate with them, um, you know, if you hear it in your head, and this is what I tell people, what did you hear in your head? Well, I heard that I should do this. Well, then do it because that's the horse talking. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's, you got to trust your gut. If you hear that voice in your head, then go with it because it's the horse talking to you right now. They're actually saying, could you undo your shoulders? <laughs> Can you drop yeah. the scapula? <laughs> Thank you. And every time we don't listen to it is with when things go pear-shaped. So many times people go, I, I heard this and I didn't listen. And then something really bad happened. I'm like, yeah. Or it never yep. gets resolved. And then, or the horse gets frustrated because you're not hearing me. I'm actually saying it. And you're not hearing, you're not trusting that voice. So yeah. the voice, you know, I often, I, part of what's gotten me such doing all this neat work are the horses saying, teaching me, okay, I had one show me ribs, you know, he was brilliant. He got me to understand, could you come into your ribs this way? It was a voice that popped into my head and, and I went, oh, you mean this? Because he put it into his body as I was on him and he went, yeah, now I can't, they, oh, great another horse showed me about her she needed me to really kind of discover my scapulas in a different way because that's what she needed that was a voice that came into my head and and she literally gave me the feeling and I went oh I better listen to this and I went oh you mean this as soon as I did it brilliance popped through so yeah sometimes you gotta hear those little messages that come through and they're they, the ones that are smart now understand this work and get into it, they'll start teaching you back and, or they'll start sending messages back saying, we can help each other out here if, 
you do this. So, yeah. Absolutely extraordinary. I love it. I love um, not just that it's able to help so many people, but I, I love the fact that it's a collabor collaboration and I love the fact that it's a give and a, a receive and it takes such empathy and the horse can do it and you can do it. And the horse figures out what it is that you're doing and says, oh, okay, I've got this now. Now, if you can just adjust yourself here, then that'll adjust me there and, and it's all going to work better. It's, it's brilliant. It is. It's, it amazes me every time it happens and it does happen. And, 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 um, to, and to see that come through in a lesson is just brings such joy to. Yeah. And it builds that big thing that we talk about all the time in this podcast, which is deep connection and relationship. Mm -hmm. it, if, oh. And God, if we could just do it to, with each other too, you know what I mean? Imagine if we could, as all humans be like this with each other, but um, yeah, it's. The it's, world would be a different place. It's not just about yourself. You know, if you're, this is the ultimate example of, you know, God, I put a saddle on a horse, I strapped it on, I put a bridle on, and I'm sitting on this creature. And you can either go about it demanding, or you can go about it trying to have a conversation <laughs> and with, yeah. with empathy and, and compassion and understanding the fact that they're the one with the bit in their mouth, this thing that's in their mouth. And they're the one that's got this thing strapped around them. Um, how, how can it not be a dominance situation? How about something where they're actually going to enjoy having this equipment and, and being ridden? Um, mm. If the tables were turned, <laughs> what would it be like? <laughs> and yeah. then constantly thinking, God, if it was the other way around, if they were riding us, or if we were them, what would be a better way? Yeah. It brings such a practical nature also to the concept that we are all connected. The Alexander Technique literally allows us to do that. Yep. Yep. We literally are amongst ourselves and, um, and we actually have bodies that are fully connected to our consciousness. Um, yeah yeah they're not separate love it love it so tanya how can people find out more about yourself and also about the alexander technique is it pretty are there practitioners in most countries around the world absolutely they're all over um you have to uh alexander technique international is a great source to find a practitioner there's also um, um, oh, another organization called AMSAT, uh, although I think they might be disbanding, actually. Um, but if you just, you know, do research on the Alexander Technique, uh, you, you should find Alexander Technique International. And there's a directory there of uh, practitioners around the world. And um, so that shouldn't be hard for people to find a practitioner near them. As for myself, my company is called Mindfully Mounted and Fit. You can find that information on Facebook and there's telephone number and how to find me and message me there. 
And um, yeah, so I work with people. I work with people and their horses. I work, again, my work seems to be morphing into um, assisting those horses that do therapy and, and, and do corporate um, team building type work. Uh, that's becoming a, something that recently just popped up as an avenue for this work as well. Uh, so if anybody is interested in, in, in if they have horses that need um, some time off or just other work, um, work done for them that is not therapy work. So they can, you know, like I said, kind of have their gym day, <laughs> keep themselves yeah, um, I'm also available for that and, and, and teaching people how to um, work with their horses, too, and in those scenarios so that they're not constantly in therapy mode and working because that, that does take its toll on them. Definitely. So, yeah, so Mindfully Mounted and Fit mm-hmm. is the company and you can find me on Facebook. And I love would love to work with people and, and just how to find that just really great connection that they can have with them. It really can happen. It really it really, really can. Yeah. Mm, I believe you. I believe you completely. And I'm certainly going to be looking it up in my area as well as keeping a good eye on you and what it is that you're doing over there. Tanya, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been such an enlightening conversation. I've learned, um, I've learned so much and I know my listeners will as well. And thank you for not only what you do for humans and, and horses, but thank you so much what you're doing for that great connection between us all because I think what you're doing is incredible and really important. So I'm really happy to be able to share what it is that you do. Thank you so much. It's been such a, a lovely conversation and I appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, keep up the great work. <laughs> I will try. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with Tanya, then you can either follow the links in the show notes or you can go to the blog on my website where you can also see photos of Tanya and her horses. It's at comealongfortheride.com.au. I'm on a mission to make the world a better place for horses. This is a big mission with a really wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses, please engage with me somehow. You can leave a review on iTunes or Facebook, share or comment on social media posts, or tell your friends about the podcast. You will find all the links to our social media on our website, comealongfortheride.com.au. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. If your friends don't know how to podcast, just send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who would love to listen but isn't quite sure how. I would also love it if you would get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you would like to hear interviewed on the podcast. I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine. So please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.